0: This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent.
1: So, I guess we're back up for episode 30 or 31 or
0: 29 or, yeah, one of them. We're around there, yeah, I honestly don't know this is thirty one this is thirty one yeah, because remember last time I was like, "Hey, this is exciting. We hit episode thirty, and you were like, "Oh, yeah, remember yeah that? it feels like a hundred yeah, it does uh, so much has happened.'ve come so far,
1: yeah, and this is another who done it
0: episode. I love those ones as long as there's closure, is there closure?" No, I ah, see you next time. This has been an episode. Don't forget,
1: like, subscribe, hand drops, and hymns. Well, you know me, up uh, before we get into an episode, I like to get into the music and the movies that were popular in the time around the case that we cover. Um, I think it provides a look into who we were as people, yeah, at the time that the case was going, you know, yeah, uh, but that being said this story kind of kicks off in november of 1948 so yeah we weren't bumping in the 20 what
0: the 25c regular strike washington quarter
1: yeah we weren't bumping and grinding yet (laughs) or already we are we are two minutes into this 175 dollars nobody cares we weren't bumping and grinding yet right to uh that what's that song that Baby, grind on me. Mm,
0: I don't know that Make one. Take your mind, take your time on me. I think it's a prey on me. I believe is what it was. We listened. We had different taste in music. Ours was all premarital rock, so it was like, take your time with me. <laughs> 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 Close your eyes with me.
1: I bet you've never had sex without your socks on. This has been a
0: good memory. Since I haven't seen your memories (laughs) until you marry me, until you married me. Are we compatible sexually? We'll never know until we're married.
1: Yeah. And that's, I don't know. That seems like a real gamble. Problematic. I would say. Uh, Yeah. That's (laughs) could be. If you're a wholesome little Christian boy and, and you don't know it, but you've got a freak. Yeah. Uh, somebody that, like, she doesn't even realize it, but she's into pegging. <laughs> I don't know. You know what pegging is, Op? No, isn't that the wife on on King of the Hill? That's peg. Pegging uh, uh. is when the lady wears a massive strap-on and has intercourse with your butt.
0: Oh, oh no, no. So <laughs> they I'm don't like even... A... They don't sell that. They don't sell that. Stuff. They sell they, that. they, they don't.
1: Now I've got them in several colors. Know. Most of them <laughs> black. 60, 30, 30, 36 inch waist. What? No way. So we weren't nineteen November forty eight. We weren't bumping and grinding yet. We weren't doing cocaine off the back of an old toilet while White Snake blares from the dance floor. You know, <laughs> uh, most of the music during this time was like. <laughs> It's always super boring. My favorite one is "She's
0: Got a Pair of Hips Just Like Two Battleships." Is that a forty That's song? A, it's a real song. Yeah, I, when I worked in the, the that uh, Doctor That's the one that get the old folks. dancing and Warren in the old folks home when I worked. She's there. got a pair of hips, just like two battleships. Now that, if you think about
1: it, if you think about it. That's just an old, old version of Baby Got Back. Uh, Right? That's that's a conservative old version of Baby Got Back. That's an old white guy in the 40s singing about how he likes a big fat ass. That's (laughs) all that
0: song is. Totally. Yep. There's a lot of them back then that are actually the old versions of the new songs. There's an old one that is the current My Hips, My Back. That one? Sing them, you know? Finish it. Uh, finish the, it. Old, pussy. the old... The
1: <sighs> old... Nah. That guy just isn't allowed to go, My anaconda don't want none unless you've got buns, hun. Because it's the 40s. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. The hit, the hit that was big in November of 48 at the time, the, the song that had all the young people going down on each other, or... Are... <laughs> Whatever was the absolute, or, or whatever, you know, but the absolute banger of the time was Buttons and Bows by Dinah Shore, which we will Dang. inject right here for a brief moment.
0: East is East and West is West. Ah, uh, that's classic. That's classic right that's a
1: That's a real bang. I can absolutely see myself going down on somebody to that song. Reminds me of the Warhawk Air Museum. The number one, and we're going to cut the movie. The number 1 picture show at the time was called The Red Shoes, which I haven't seen and I'm sure you haven't either. This is fucking no, 48. I have. You've seen, seen The it. Red Shoes?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a coming of age tale about a, a a teenage girl who it's it's a it's a it's actually a very liberal, open-minded uh investigative piece on a, a woman's menstruation cycle. That was
1: a we got it took us a long time to get to the punchline. But I will say you had me hanging off a string there.
0: <laughs> ah, see what you did there.
1: Uh you had me dangling off a string for a while and I thought you had genuinely seen the show. And then it turned out you had not. You were making a uh, period joke. Yes. The the <laughs> movie The Red Shoes is about a ballerina doing ballerina shit in nineteen forty eight. And that's all I know. And considering this was 1948, uh, I'm assuming the other number one show outside of the Red Shoes was uh, a a show where they just got a bunch of people together and gathered a group of homosexuals or minorities and beat the fuck out of them with rocks. (laughs) We were
0: once again, we were uh, were lost. We 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 were lost in the 40s. We weren't the first ones to be doing this, you know, in the streets. Is that what you're telling well, This me? is
1: in Australia too. Whoa. I'm assuming racism was worldwide in the forties. <laughs> would... That was a bigger hit than baby got back was in the, in the nineties. Racism. <laughs> uh, so no, I haven't seen the red shoes. I have seen the red shoe diaries. You ever heard of that one? Yeah. So it was a show that I used to watch, uh, whenever I was little. After my parents went to bed, I would try to get to Showtime, and the Red Shoe Diaries was softcore porn starring David Duchovny on Showtime, and it was there as <laughs> a young Kent Chungus could get a glimpse of some boobs. Um,
0: were you watching it like I would have watched that in the day where you found it on the Scrambled yeah, channel? And you're yeah, just like watching yeah, for, for boobs between
1: the... Yeah, <laughs> you didn't know if you were watching softcore porn, soft, soft porn or bowling. You
0: didn't know. <laughs> but... Yeah, especially because it's the same soundtrack to both. Yeah. And you hear just a lot of that. Uh, uh, and
1: then the. Uh, <laughs>
0: <just>. <laughs> the pin. It could be the pins knocking down yeah. or. That was her, her cervix. Vert, or her virtue. <laughs> hey, here's a question about that. Do you think on soft corn porn, are they actually, is there penetration and the just, it's just the camera angle isn't showing it? I think they just grind. Yeah, I'm guessing. I think it's just so, a lot too. of
1: grinding.
0: Yeah. I've always wondered that. That's a yeah. good question. We'll have to ask somebody who knows. Wish Jack was here. I wish, wish Jack was here. He's got all the answers.
1: So we're uh November of forty eight, you know, we're going to the location Adelaide, Australia, which is in South Australia. Uh little little beach town. And at seven PM on a warm evening on Tuesday of November thirtieth, nineteen forty eight, the year of our Lord. A young jeweler by the name of John Lyons. He's strolling up and down the Somerton Park beach there with his with his young, beautiful wife. When they notice a man laying there in the sand, and he's got his head against a brick seawall. And it's a very awkward position. He's laying on his back. His head is kind of cocked forward in a super uncomfortable way, you know what I'm saying? The back of his head's yeah. rest, rest, rest resting on this seawall there that they've built. His feet are crossed and they're pointed to the sea. Now, directly behind this man that's laying there on the beach across the street was what was called the Somerton Crippled Children's Home. And that was at the corner that was located at the corner of Bickford Terrace and Esplanade. Um, And and real quick about the the Somerton Crippled Children's Home. It had been established in 1939, and it was specially it was a place for for sick kids that had polio and probably were going to die soon. And the building is no longer there. And that whole strip now looks like Miami beach housing. Do you it's know like, that because
0: you Google streeted it?
1: Yeah. It all looks like Miami beach. Now that old beautiful, it was a beautiful building. It's gone. So, so like just to give you an idea of, of the, so like if you're standing on the front porch of this crippled children's home, looking out first, you would see the yard and then you would see a road. And then there's the beach. It's like an 80 foot walk. Of course, if, if you're not a crippled child, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's an eighty foot crawl, and that probably feels like a mile. I would think so, and it would be very abrasive. You're a crippled child; it's at, at so close, so far away. Might as well be ten miles away. Yep. So this man, he's laying there on the beach, feet pointed towards the ocean, and crossed. His head, the back of his head's resting against this brick wall here on the beach, and uh and this young couple, they walk past him. They seem as John Lines and his wife are passing him. The man. Appeared to be weakly smoking a cigarette, and as they pass, he slowly lifts his right hand, as if the the. I've heard many, many different uh, descriptions of how he reached. He he raised this hand. Some say he reached it as as if to reach for them. Some say he reached it as as if to wave at them, but and some say he reached it as if he was smoking a cigarette. But then he lets it fall to his side, very weakly. Now the couple that walked past him, they just keep walking. They assumed he was just some old drunk getting ready to pass out and sleep it off and then get up and go write a podcast <laughs> took me a second oh, gosh so they think ah oh, we this drunks passed out on the beach half an hour later another couple by the name of Gordon and Olive Neil were walking the beach so they're another beautiful young couple just out strolling the beach and they also come across the man laying there in the sand. Now, by this point, he's completely surrounded by mosquitoes, and he's not reacting to them whatsoever. Now, Gordon did want to check the guy out. Not check him out. You know, not like they weren't like and weird stuff, but like, hey, is this guy? But he was discouraged by Olive. She was like, no, leave that man alone. And they just kept walking.
0: So, well, How would you have been in that situation? How, I would how have probably you just fail? thought
1: he was drunk. Um, If he was asleep, I would have probably rolled him over on his side. It's because you don't want somebody that drunk to be sleeping on their back. That's how people suffocate. They vomit and suffocate on their own vomit. Yeah. Roll him on his side and, and let the let the fella sleep it off. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be able to find him a better place to hang out, the beach. I mean, if you got to be hung
0: over. Yeah. If you're going to go, you know, go on the beach. Yeah. Exactly. Or the homeless people go. So, yeah, I,
1: I mean, I don't blame him. I would have reacted the same way. Wednesday, December 1st, 1948. So this is the next day. Early that very next morning, John Lyons, who was with with one half of the first couple that that passed this man, he returns down to the beachfront, and he's going to go on an early morning swim. And it's at this point that he finds the man in the same exact position as he had been the night before whenever him and his wife passed by him. Now, the man hadn't moved at all, not even a pinky finger. And a half smoked cigarette laid on the right collar of the jacket he was wearing. Uh, John immediately knew he was dead. So, like I said, he's got a half smoked cigarette laying on the right collar of his jacket, which is fortunate that he didn't catch himself on fire. This was before the safety cigarettes, you know, the, the same. These were the kind of cigarettes that this guy was smoking, were the same kind of cigarettes that like ravaged trailer parks all throughout Appalachia after super drunk rednecks. Would like fall asleep smoking while watching Jerry Springer or Rescue 911.
0: Yeah. And it, um, how do they, what's the word that they use to make sure that when you fall asleep with a cigarette, that the fabric that that cigarette falls on doesn't catch fire? What's that? Fire retardant. Retardant? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's it? Yeah. Retarded. Yeah. Yep. And this was right across the street from the crippled children's home. Oh. <laughs> now, like I said, John realizes the guy's dead. Uh, he calls police constable John Moss of the Brighton Police Station at 630 a.m. And, of course, you know, John Moss shows up with his with his buddies there, his police buddies. Um, And right there on the beach, they they just assumed that the man had died while sleeping. There were no wounds on him. They checked him for wounds, no stabs, no gunshots. Uh, The police also noted that the sand around the man was undisturbed, which ruled out the idea of an attack in their minds. This is once again, this is the 40s. We didn't even understand why a woman would want to do anything other than cook, clean and raise children, let alone have an understanding of high and low tides. Mm. So- we don't know if he was close enough to the beach. I've, I've looked at all the pictures and nobody's told me the distance that he was laying actually from the water. So I don't know if the high tide would have reached him. Okay. But I mean, if I, if, if there are signs of a struggle there and a high tide comes in, there's not going to be a sign of struggle by morning. Yep. <laughs> Constable Moss had the body taken in an ambulance to the Royal Adelaide hospital and at 940 AM, That morning, Dr. John Barkley Bennett begins examining it. Now, John Barkley Bennett determines that the time of death was around 2 a.m., give or take. So the man had been alive, definitely was alive when the first couple passed. But by the time the second couple passed, he was still alive, according to the doctor, even though the mosquitoes were gathering. So he had died around 2 in the morning, the night prior. And uh, Dr. Bennett also wrote that the cause of death was cyanosis. Which is just poor circulation, which kind of seems like a big blanket term. Yeah, for to me, uh, and he and he decided he decided it was cyanosis because of the bluish discoloration of the skin. But that being said, he also noted that he suspected possibly that poisoning could be the cause of death because the corpse had small pupils, much smaller than
0: what was normal, and also had he, the man had drooled before dying. Could you imagine? Having, I mean, there is a very limited set of empl- jobs that you can have where your decision is final and you can make such poor conclusions that everybody could throw their hands up in the air, but you made your decision and it's final. Like, really, cyanosis. That's like saying, well, the cause of death is death. You know, I mean, that's not even.
1: Well, fortunately, this isn't the guy that does the autopsy. Okay. Okay. This is just a a quick examination. This guy isn't filling out any paperwork. Okay.
0: You know. All right.
1: Any, like, finalized paperwork, anything. All right. So it's like like he did write the cause of death, but, like, this isn't the the stamp. Okay. Uh, Not official. Okay. All right. No. I get behind that. After this guy does his quick little examination, this doctor, the body was then transported to the city morgue, which is located beside the West Terrace Cemetery, and once there, he was stripped naked and they didn't even buy him dinner first. And then he was thrown into a cooler, and that was to keep him from getting them uh getting them GS boy stanky legs. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that one. Nope. Do the
0: stanky leg. Do the stanky
1: legs. Oh, that's that
0: was the used ca- when I was a young fella. used car video. You seen that? The guy that does the stanky leg in the used car video? It's a meme. I think it was a vine that went viral. And this guy does a commercial for his used car lot and does the stanky leg in the... That's the only way I know that. Where I'm from, a stanky
1: leg is when a, a well-endowed man has butt sex.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was your friend who took a dump in his pants and was so forward about it. Well, I got to go home.
1: <laughs> that too. Yeah, Andy. Andy. Old shit pants Andy. <laughs> yeah. Probably still walking around with a few... Little brown potatoes rolling around in his socks to this day.
0: He walks around. He's like, "I'm tough and I'm mean and I got a jag in my jeans, and I gotta, and I gotta make poop,
1: and I'll be back. I'll be right. Go change my underwear." And that was Andy. We loved him just how he was, poop and all, because that's the innocence of children.
0: Have you ever heard Leroy Luna's story about? poop which one (laughs) good point uh he told a story one time he was at a party and he got real confident with a fart until he crapped his pants oh sharted yes he ran he ran all the way home changed his underwear and came back to the party
1: (laughs) that's like people had just
0: forgotten that he had just shit himself he was he was like flirting with a girl too yeah (laughs) He just bombed his drawers, oh, fun!
1: So when this body gets to the morgue, they start going through his clothing, and here's what they find out. They still don't know who this guy is, but this is what they find in his clothing he was first first off he was what he was wearing was uh brown trousers, a brown knitted pullover, a gray double breasted coat, a white shirt and tie. And brown shoes and heavy knitted socks.
0: He's wearing a white shirt and a white tie.
1: Did I say a white tie?
0: White shirt and tie. Oh, maybe his tie was no. no he's wearing a white shirt and a tie and a tie. Okay, not not tie. a white tie. Yeah, photos were black and white, so the tie was probably black and.
1: White. We'll get more into the tie here in a here in a bit. Okay, because the tie is kind of important. Oh, okay, all right. So they searched uh, all the clothing. And it was revealed that when they start going through all this clothing, all forms of identification marks on the clothes had been removed. All the tags are cut away. So all the brands had been removed. And also there was no form. It's really common during this time that you would label your clothing with your name because people back in these times, they had one good pair of going out pants. You know, you had a pair of work pants and then you had your fancy pants pants. And then you had your church pants. and and you had your pants that would you would wear to the to the stoning of of people that look
0: different than you. <laughs> and I believe that that bifurcates into two pairs. You either go wearing the pants that you plan on just observing, or the ones that are extra gusseted in the crotch, so you can do a lot of bending and flexing to pick bending, up the flexing.
1: rocks. Yeah, you can really growing. Get- some of them had shirts for the stonings where the, the armpits were made out of pregnancy clothing, the pregnancy <laughs> material, so that you can get Max follow through <laughs> on the rock. None of these clothes, they had, none of them had the ID marks on them. None of them had the brand, the, the, uh, the tags in them. None of them were labeled with the man's name. This is all super odd, uh, especially during this time. So the guy's taken, put in an effort to disguise what kind of clothes he's wearing. And why would you do that? Ever. The first thing that comes to mind is be uh, like a spy. Oh,
0: it's funny you say that up. Let's table that for a moment. Okay. And then we'll return. Hey, uh, just a preface here. This is one of those. I don't know why. I got a weird thing about cases with no closure. Some of them, like I'm attracted like flies on poop. Other ones, I'm like, I don't. I'll check. I'll check that one out when I see some update where they've done something magical and figured out who it was. And this is one of those. Like, I I don't know this case very well at all. I
1: like that you very politely try to tell me that you were completely uninterested. Yeah, in this case,
0: I'm showing up just <laughs> for the treats and snacks. Yeah. I do
1: have an update for you. Okay. Oh, okay. We got an update May 2021. So just oh, a few months ago. okay. Big break in the case. Uh, really? Okay. Oh Now I'm now We'll I'm get really... to that at the end of okay, this. Okay, now I'm really excited. So they're going through this guy's clothes, and this is what they find in the pockets op. You ready? Yep. An unused train ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, which is a more northern beach near Adelaide there, the, near the Somerton Park Beach where he was found. They find a used bus ticket, From Adelaide to Glenelg, which was also near Somerton, they find a packet of juicy fruit gum, uh, the worst gum that you can buy. (laughs) You can't ever get that taste out of your mouth. No. Once you chew a piece of... It's there for at least a week.
0: You know what taste you can get out of your mouth really quick? Fruit stripe gum. See, I I thought you were going to say semen. Well, I don't know. (laughs) What? Fruit syrup? Fruit stripe. You know the one with the... Yeah, and that's the one you don't want out of your mouth. Yeah. That's delicious. It's delicious, but it lasts like eight seconds. And and it's you know, it just it's flavorful, but it doesn't last. They also in his pockets they found
1: these two tickets, they found a pack of fru- juicy fruit, they found a a pack of army club cigarettes that had seven cigarettes in it of a different brand. And that brand was called Kinsitas. Mm. Which is weird. Yeah. Why do you have a box of one pa- brand of cigarettes with a different cigarettes in it? Oh, I see what you're saying. So the box. It would and be was- like finding a bag of Doritos. And then when you when you look in the bag, it's got Cheetos in it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it feels like that would be like buying one box of poppets and somehow gingerly pulling every poppet out in all the sawdust and putting them in another. You know, because cigarettes like break down. If you, yeah. you know, if you're not really careful, that would be kind of, that would be, you'd have to be very, you'd have to do a very, you'd have to do that gingerly. <laughs> what is the point? Why? What is to yeah. be gained? And I looked,
1: I looked, I did a deep dive on both of these brands of cigarettes, both Army Club cigarettes and Conceita cigarettes. And I found absolutely no interesting history whatsoever on either
0: one of these. So, you know what? I know, I know you're going to get to it. Seems like a spy move again, because if you think about it, you'd have a box of cigarettes that you would carry them in. And then an, an untrained eye would look at that box and say, oh, well, he had this brand on him. But if he were to smoke those cigarettes somewhere and drop the butts, people would be like, oh, this is the cigarette here. And this this brand is only in oh, Argentina or something. I hadn't even thought about that. So it would throw off the trail if he was actually using them somewhere. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Just throwing right. stuff out there.
1: I hadn't thought about that. And that's why I'm here. I'm just basking in that for a moment. So they find the cigarettes. They find a pack of Bryant and May matches, an aluminum comb, and a handkerchief. Why an aluminum cone? Comb. Comb. C O M B. Oh, I thought. A like a cone. I was like, a comb. Like a, like a top
0: or like a. Okay.
1: All right. Cone. All right. Now, he had no money on his person. He had no wallet on his person, no passport, no form of ID or identification whatsoever, which means he could probably vote in the United States in a few years.
0: <laughs> I'm still kind of stuck on the aluminum cone. Yeah, I could see your, it, it's him is it on my face. Can you tell? Yeah. You were just,
1: I don't know why the aluminum cone thing. For,
0: I just part, there was something inside. I wired weird. Once you corrected me, I was like, nah, I'm still going to go with cone. It's gotta be something about the cone. I don't believe him.
1: I feel like when you, when I ask you at the end of this, what you think it is, you're going to put all of your ducks in the fact that he was carrying an aluminum cone. Yeah, yeah i think that's it was a traffic cone too that's weird it's <laughs> the clincher here if we can figure that out we don't talk about that a lot the fact that he had a giant aluminum traffic cone <laughs> beside his body and that's not what you've heard on any other podcast it's a first here for here at first on this show <laughs> so because they have no uh form of id no 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 way to To identify who this man is, he is now tagged with. He had two nicknames, the unknown man and the Somerton
0: man. Unknown because of where, because they didn't know who he was in Somerton because of the place. Yes. Okay.
1: On December 2nd, Dr. J.M. Dwyer, he begins the autopsy. um, And during the autopsy, this is what they discover. This is what is is concluded about this interesting, mysterious man. He is between the ages of forty to forty five years old,
0: so uh, super old, right off. <laughs> How old are you again? I'm in that drop down bracket where I can't even do forty to forty five as the option anymore. I have to do forty six to fifty. Oh, we Ugh. gotta
1: get big fast because we do. are running out of time. I'm gonna die. This is gonna be bad. Uh. So, yeah, he's, he's between 40 and 45. He's 5 feet 11 inches tall, about the size of a basic bitch, dude. That's a super <laughs> average hot. Uh, he has broad shoulders and a narrow waist. So, typical triangle. Okay. Upside down, upside down triangle guy.
0: Typical cone. mm mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: a bit like Johnny Bravo. Okay. Yeah. An upside down, picture an upside down flesh cone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He was uh, clean shaven. He had fair hair. He was going gray at the temples. I'm, I'm actually. It literally sounds like I'm describing you. The more that I read, <laughs> I was just thinking about what I look like. And then I was. This thinking is like if by- we found operator dead on a beach in Australia. Because I would also imagine if anybody has oddly we is weird enough to cut all the tags and everything out of your clothes out of their clothing it would be you yeah
0: yeah well you know what's funny about that is is i actually do but the reason i do is because for several years now the only clothes that i wear are like extras that i get when i like do a store order i'll like wear an extra shirt that i have blank shirt or what. Except for this, I'm I'm wearing an Adidas shirt. But guess what this Adidas shirt is? It's my uncle's. He died, and so I got some of his clothes. So, there. Good for you. Thanks. Fits really well.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Unk. (laughs) So, he's uh, clean-shaven, fair hair, going gray at the temples. He has hazel eyes, and he has clean and manicured, uncalloused hands. Super rare for this time period. Yeah, that would mean that his job was such that he didn't do physical labor, probably, right? No physical labor. Okay. He ha- So he has no scars, at least on his hands. He has no scars. No vaccination marks anywhere on his body. And he had natural teeth. So let's think about this. Guy's in a suit. Guy smokes cigarettes. He's got uncalloused hands, indicating no physical labor in his life. Look, they just stumbled
0: across the dead hipster. That's, that's yeah, all. That's what they did. That's all this is he was like i was dead before it was cool so he said you guys ever
1: heard of the doors (laughs) you will oh you like them i don't like them anymore
0: (laughs) do you have any hipster moments like where you where you are the hipster you're the hipster the the only one that i really hold on to and i'm still bitter about it i really should get over it was like seventh eighth grade i was showing all my friends like pink floyd and Simon and Garfunkel, and you know, Simon Step, and Garfunkel, yeah, Steppenwolf, and you know, and then they were all like, "Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I don't really, I don't." Really. And then they all got into high school and they started partying, and like everybody was wearing tie-dyed Steppenwolf shirts, and I was like, "Ugh, can't stand them now." That's my only. What is that Steppenwolf? Why is that a thing? Why? Why do they do that? Why is
1: Why do we have that in humans? As like now, everybody's enjoying this. I no longer enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because of the the sheer level of disrespect that I had for people's lack of interest in my curated music. list back when I was a seventh grader. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was literally a walking Spotify for these people. They didn't even know it. I'll stop interrupting you now. You're fine. I'm just still
1: thinking about that aluminum cone.
0: (laughs) Me too. We should talk about it more.
1: His forearms were tanned and he had a central European, he had, and he had central European facial features. And what that means, you're like, what does central European facial features mean? That just means he was just some fucking dead white dude up. That's what central European means. It's like writing on the
0: paperwork, some white guy. Yeah. It's interesting what countries are literally in central Europe, you know, can, do you know what, like what, what we're talking about? Central Europe. It's interesting what, what, what countries like it when, when somebody just lumps everybody from their like central European looks, that could be Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Austria, Germany, well, see, Czech Republic, Poland? Now, but here's the
1: thing. Take one person from every one of those countries, Hungary, put them in a room and tell them, and you tell me
0: which one is from where I could put, I could pick out a Slovakian any day. <laughs> For how? They look, their brow looks different than Slovenians.
1: That's all. Is it, is it an uni? Yeah. It's an uni brow.
0: Yeah. And in Switzerland, it's an Ernie. Or Ernie. Oh, I don't feel funny right now. So I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be really impressed with my map skills, but I just know you're looking at a computer. Well, I'm looking at a computer, but I'm looking at the <laughs> script you wrote. <laughs> What do you think? You said Central Europe, and I just Googled Central Europe really quick. I I never know what you're really
1: doing over there when I'm talking. when you say half the time, I think you're on YouTube. (laughs) And you just kind of got me playing in the background while you're watching Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about black holes.
0: (laughs) You think I see a date in the script and I just go Google 1948 coin facts really quick? No,
1: I know those are off the top of your head. But like (laughs) everything else... (laughs) And then, like, you say something and then you go back to Neil deGrasse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He's got the dead body here. He's got tan forearms. He's got a white dude's face. He had an excellent physique and athletic legs and especially impressive calf muscles. So he's got, you know, he's got sexy legs. He's got sexy legs for a stiff, especially during the reign of polio, you know, like. Our, mm-hmm. our standards for beautiful legs really went down about 12 notches when polio started fucking people up. Yeah. A lot of people in those days were sea walking before they had gotten click clack by polio early in life. So. I <laughs> got Papa docked by the big P. Master P.
0: <laughs> You're like the Eminem of documentaries. <laughs> So and his calves were in half and the black <laughs> and his arms where they were black and his face was it was white. And he was black, 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 black central European like.
1: Pete Olio came in and was like, black, black. <laughs> fuck your legs. Fuck your legs. You're cool. Fuck your legs. Skirt. <laughs> Baby grind on me. So uh, beautiful legs, beautiful calf muscles, athletic build. And uh, his toes were also oddly mangled, as though it, they, they noted that it was as if they'd been shoved into tight shoes. So they came to a point, like a triangle, like a, a ba- like a ballet dancer. Oh, man. So they believed that perhaps he had been a ballet dancer or a professional horse rider, because those shoes will do the same thing to the toes over time.
0: Or a spy, because if I I'm going to find I, well, oh, footprints,
1: footprints. Why do spies? Oh, because they're always walking. They're yeah. always throwing uh, you you immediately made me think of spy versus spy yeah. from Mad Magazine little, and their toes little, little, tiny, came to a point. Little tiny points. Yeah. Yeah. One was black, one was white. There's no reason to get into race. yeah, uh, there's Nope. There isn't.
0: But I always do. And it's problematic. Fucking conservatives. Um <laughs> uh, like I said, you know,
1: hipster. This guy probably also threw axes competitively too, and even though he'd never actually used one on a tree, almost guaranteed that he that he threw axes competitively and looked up to the brawny man. Now, he had no tattoos. He only had on his whole body three small scars. One was inside of his left wrist. He had a curved one on his left elbow and a small one on his left forearm. So that, that left arm... I really went through some shit at one point, but everything else clean as a whistle. So we got clean, manicured, uncalloused hands. We have no tattoos. We have nice calf muscles, a good physique for a 45 year old and only very, very minimal scars. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mystery. Now the man's spleen was enlarged and firm. It was 3 times the normal size of a of a of a spleen. 3 times. 3 times. What does that, do you know? Uh poisoning. Oh, does that. Oh. Uh, the liver was swollen with blood. You know what does that up? Poisoning. Poisoning. Oh, yep, okay. Right. Uh, that? his stomach contents uh showed that the last meal he had that day before he died was a meat pie. Is that and he had eaten that, is that a reference around back between... to pegging?
0: Is uh no?
1: A meat pie, yeah, that could be okay. Well, I think a meat pie is when you're getting pegged by like four or five people.
0: Okay, uh, yeah, I, I it has don't to be know a the, lot of meats. I don't know the terms like Arby's. <clears throat> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We well,
1: have the meats.
0: Browns pull up to the window.
1: Just a guy pushing his dick against the window. Mm, I love the Arby's.
0: Do you like Arby's? Arby's is one of my favorites. I love a brown meat flap sandwich. Just yeah, mm. the. the they really are delicious. They really are. I can just eat that meat by the handful. And and you know what? I just, I put the meat in and I spackle my mouth shut with Arby sauce. It's so good. Yeah. And horsey so sauce. So good.
1: You don't even eat bread. No, you don't. They also have really good buffalo chicken slaughters. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to go there and try those. You order like 12 of them. Okay. Because you're going to eat every one of them because they're phenomenal. Yum. And you will get heartburn. Okay. Deal. So we got an enlarged spleen. We got uh, a swollen liver that's got blood in it. There was blood in the stomach from the last mi- with the last meal, which is uh, a trademark of poisoning. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But despite all of these all of these clues that this man had died from poisoning, and despite an onslaught of tests that they ran through, they tested his blood, his urine, everything that they could think of. There were no traces of poison found in the man's system. Really? Not one. Weird. One bit of traceable poisons. Uh, So they're pretty sure this guy died of poisoning. They don't know how, and they don't know uh, of of what. And because of that, everybody's kind of baffled, and and this case is also gaining some traction. The the curiosity is getting the best of people. And because of this, they take samples of blood, urine, uh, some of his liver and some of his muscle. They take contents of the stomach, uh, everything that they can think of and they put it away samples of it away in a fridge in the event that further investigation was needed and it's definitely going to be needed so uh-huh. they had the, they had the uh the, the the forethought to think about that which is good now dental records were taken uh the man turned out he had a rare dental condition where he was missing both of his lateral incisors which are the teeth that normally are right beside your two big teeth up front
0: you know what that's a and sign of meth use.
1: not well nor- in in rock in, in my hometown, yes, absolutely. But uh, fortunately, that doesn't mean that there's just two big gaps there. Uh, what happens is the canine teeth slide forward and and make up for that difference, and it ends up looking like a vampire. He, yeah, oh. he ends up just looking like that glittery bitch Edward from Twilight.
0: I like him,
1: so it's kind of cool. Kind of a cool little. So he's got like little vampire teeth there on the there on the front. Nice. And it's a, it's a defect or a feature or a, a feature on December 3rd, police photographer and fingerprint expert, Dr. Patrick James Durham is brought in and he takes fingerprints from the stiff and it ended up being super hard to get fingerprints, to get fingerprints because of how, uh, how, uh, what was like stiff he was. Oh, uh, cause he's starting to harden up. I don't know if we've ever touched a body that's been dead for a while, but they start getting solid.
0: Yeah, uh, so it's interesting. Did you know that rigor mortis kicks in at a very specific time in the death process? It's it, it actually helps them determine time of death, and then it goes away. So rigor mortis kicks in, stiffens the body up, and then it fades over a series of hours, and the body's back to being all jelloey and loose.
1: Yeah, and that's when you got to hit it with the paddles again. Yeah,
0: donkey punch.
1: There's a window there where you can bring them back right back he he gets fingerprints off the dead dude and then he has to fight i don't know why this was noted in the reading that i did but he had to fight with the corpse to get the clothes back on it so that they could take, take facial pictures uh bust pictures to spread around and i've had to dress a kick and screaming two-year-old and i bet anything i could get this dead dude's pants on and shirt on in like seven seconds yeah
0: Kicking, screaming two-year-old dead dude. Dead dude's probably somewhere between kicking, screaming two-year-old and protester that doesn't want to be arrested. Probably somewhere in the middle there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Abs- well, you know what? I, now that I'm thinking about it, you've got daughters. Yep. I've got daughters. Yeah. I've had, I bet this is like, this is just like, have you ever had your daughter? Because he's a stiff, right? He's, he's, he, rigor mortis has set in, this is just like trying to put clothes on a Barbie. Oh. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst thing ever. They don't bend at the elbows. No. Barbie.
0: They don't so bend at the elbows. Put us, come on, Mattel. Put us a joint at the elbow and the knee. And the knee pops forward one click. You ever notice that? But it's not like, back. But not back. Click, 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 no, but forward, yeah, your, click. Your
1: fucking Barbie can turn into a, a German shepherd if you want yep. it to. Yep. But not on the elbow. Not a human. Also, by the way, she's always walking on her tippy toes. Always. That seems misogynistic to me. Kind of. Hands are always in a karate chop. She can't hold shit. Nope. God, dressing a Barbie. When my daughter brings me a Barbie and she's like, I want this dress or these pants on, I I would rather go fucking blow my brains out of the back of my skull all over their bedroom wall.
0: My daughter's bedroom wall. Her arms can't hold anything, but, you know, she can hold her head up high. As an empowered woman, because Barbie is freaking everything. You could go and find like CDC Barbie, probably.
1: Yeah, and also, have you seen what they did with Barbie recently? No. Oh, they made her thick, boy.
0: Oh, they did.
1: Yeah, like like all around. That that toothpick shit anymore? They made Barbie.
0: Hmm. She's looking
1: good. She's looking good.
0: Okay, body positive. I like it.
1: Yeah. Super like positive. It's it, I mean They could she they looks could probably
0: good. they could hybridize her where you know they get a you know nice, nice hard hard plastic bar Barbie, Barbie, main Barbie. And then you just coat her with a little bit of stretch arm strong on the outside. So when she pulls her pants up, they're actually natural and you get a little muffin top on the top, some Ooh, stretch yeah. arm like strong that. muffin top. Yeah, I like that. yeah. I like and you that. make it realistic. So if you made her dance really fast like uh like um, the t- half-time, halftime NFL show, uh, if they you know popped and locked their butt really quick, they'd pee like every woman who's ever had a baby. Mm,
1: mm, yeah. <laughs> Love that, too. Mm, attractive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was one of the few people that I, I was like, when Adele lost all that weight, I was like, dude, this sucks. Yeah. Adele
0: was way hotter when she was, you know, Bigger. the OG Adele. Well, I always thought Adele's albums were numbered after how many stones she weighed in Britain. But no, apparently it's her age. What are what are the names of her albums? Twenty one,
1: twenty two. Why did she start at twenty one? she she like lay, labels her albums the way we do episodes? Whatever number uh, she comes up with. <laughs> no, how she much is how, how
0: many pounds does one stone equal? Uh, good question. I'm asking. Hey Siri, how many pounds is one stone? 14 pounds so 21 with <laughs> adele was never over 200 pounds
1: ah oh, you fucker 294 I love adele. don't you talk about adele that way
0: 294 pounds no that's probably yeah probably what i'm pretty sure i'm, I'm right well, on. The woman had the voice of an angel still has i mean i don't still think does. that went away it's like Pavarotti. you know he lost weight but he still had a pretty good voice yeah her albums uh 19 21 25 30 And 1988, which I don't know what she's thinking there. She's not that old. So, enough about Adele. I'm glad we worked
1: that into this. Yep. I'll try to, if you're like, oh, no, they're done with Adele. What? Well, I'll try to work that into the next episode. We'll get some Adele talk in. Yep. So, with little to go on, the police begin circulating the photographs of the dead man, as well as his fingerprints, to police stations all throughout Australia and overseas. And there was no match. No matter how hard they tried, they matched to nothing. This guy's a ghost. He doesn't exist, as far as they're concerned, at least to this point. Now, this frustrated them, and at that point, they bring in the newspapers, and that's always that always goes well in the United States, right? When you bring newspapers in, that's probably a little different in the '40s. Uh, newspapers and and uh, journals and and journalists weren't owned by major networks that all have an agenda, be it left or right. Um, sometimes I turn on CNN or Fox just to get a good laugh at how blatantly full of shit they are. I like the media. I hate 99.9% of journalists too.
0: I think you I, you should be able to trust the media.
1: You can't. You definitely could more during this time period because uh, I don't think that the newspapers and everything were owned by people with monetary, I don't know, maybe you couldn't.
0: I don't think they're owned today.
1: Fuck off, Op. Fuck off. You fuck right off.
0: Look, I've read the focus groups.
1: So they bring in the newspapers. The uh, picture of this man was published in the paper in Adelaide and all the surrounding areas. Um, this is the talk of the town now, this dead guy that was found on the bleach. Uh, and when this man gets published in the papers, his, his his dead face is on the papers. Police start getting flooded with calls from a million different people claiming that they know who it was. But obviously, none of the leads held any water when investigated. If they did, we wouldn't be doing a podcast on this today. Right. Over the last 74 years, this man has been falsely identified 251 times, much like your father op.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You didn't deserve that. (laughs) What's funny is I didn't really see it coming. (laughs) Uh,
1: So I just fucking left hooked -hooked you. And you didn't even need it. You were like just sitting there happy, watching Neil deGrasse. (laughs) Gravity. Uh, Wham. The, the morgue, they have numerous viewings of this corpse for a bunch of people who claimed to knew who he was. This obviously is, well, no luck. Probably 80% of the people that showed up were just there to gawk at the corpse because they were bored. It was the 40s, and they couldn't do a lynching every other day.
0: You know, <laughs> you go look at a corpse. What are you doing? Let's
1: go stare at some corpses.
0: You mean they're already dead? We don't get to do anything with it. We don't have to do. We don't have to do the killing. Oh shucks! I was putting my pants on
1: already. <laughs> I was gonna say? I'm gonna switch out my pants then. I guess it's, I'll take out this yeah. flexible armpitted shirt. Don't need that.
0: <laughs> I'll just put on my
1: view-only pants. January eight, a dedicated team of investigators is assigned to this case, and that team was led by Detective Sergeant Lionel Lean, which is a pretty cool name. Yeah. I like that name. Yeah. Lionel Lean sounds like a rapper. It, it is. Yep.
0: Do you know who Kendrick Lamar is?
1: Yes. I'd, he was at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'd, with Dre, Snoop, and Eminem. I just didn't. And know all the other ones. Didn't know him. I mean, I don't know. Like, I couldn't name any of his music, but I know who he is. I know that my boy here, our teenager, he he listens to Kendrick Lamar.
0: Do you like? Could you hum a little bit of it? Do you know any of them? Oh, see here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, that one.
1: (laughs) And that was actually where corn don't grow. Oh, I don't know if you ever heard
0: that song. It sounded oddly familiar to uh, Crossroads. There's dusty fields
1: no matter where you
0: go. Gonna, you may change your mind. Gonna find a corn hoe.
1: You don't know the song. Yeah. That song was basically written about your hometown. <laughs> <laughs> Just dust and dirt. Every time Dude. I see outside of your house, it looks like the set of Mad Max: Fury Road.
0: Oh, this makes sense now. My version of the script that I'm reading from says Summerton Man not insult version. I see so you're reading from a different one. So you're you got the you got the juicy bits one that you're reading off of. I'm enjoying this.
1: <laughs> Dig in. It does look like they filmed Mad Max Fury Road around your house.
0: It's true.
1: <laughs> Very true. It wasn't even an insult. That's just a fact. Yeah. If you stepped out of your backyard one day recording a pol- a Marco Polo, I wanted to say Marco polio because of this episode that we're <laughs> Recording to Marco Polo, and I saw a guy go by in the background f- playing a flaming guitar on the hood of a truck. It wouldn't even phase me. It wouldn't even phase me. I'm like, yeah, that's where Op lives. Yes. Yeah, Wherever they film Fury Road. That's why he always has chrome spray paint around his lips all the time. He's yeah.
0: fucking mediocre. <laughs> and that was a commentary on the film.
1: <laughs> and i love you I love if you. if you don't know who your dad is pants <laughs> are determined so the first thing this crew that comes together uh that, that they do they determine that the pants that this man are wearing they are made from what is called crusader cloth and that can only be purchased in melbourne and ballarat australia so it doesn't really narrow down a lot still in australia And tracking down, they tried, but tracking down the the point of purchase for the single pair of pants ended up being impossible. Yeah. They also found out that the coat the man was wearing was made using a feather top stitch that can only be done by particular machines found in America. So the pants are Australian, the coat American. Now, back to the tie. You mentioned the tie earlier, right? Yeah. This is a fun fact that I think you are are really going to enjoy because the tie that the man was wearing was a strap tie, and the angles of the straps pointed from the right shoulder down to the left side of the waist, which indicated during this time that it was an American tie. Do you know why that would be? Because. you, Europe, Just so you know, for comparison, European ties go from the left shoulder down to the right.
0: Be, um, I have no idea. I wanted to say something about like left-leaning politics versus right-leaning, but that doesn't seem like it would be in effect back then.
1: No. No, no, not at all. So far from the right answer, the, the way that they did European and American ties was based off of how the military would sling their rifles in the, in the country.
0: Oh, so the, the line would follow the, the decline the of the sling.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Okay. And I didn't know that until I did the research for this episode.
1: I thought that, that was very interesting. That is very interesting. So the guy's wearing an American tie, an American jacket, Australian pants, Uh, But all that aside, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that this man is American just because he's got American clothes on. There's douchebags all over the world right now that are wearing that stupid ass Supreme brand of clothing. And it's made in New York City. Two hundred bucks for a stupid looking pair of fucking blue jeans. Young people are so stupid. Join me next week when I yell at a bunch of teenagers for stepping on my lawn. I love this show. A T-shirt's like eighty bucks. It says Supreme on it. It's no different than the shirt you buy at Walmart. It's crazy. We're ridiculous. Suckers. It makes me mad when I think about it. Oh, <laughs> and our boy asked us the other day if he could have a pair of Yeezys, and you said almost hit him in the face. <laughs> No, we're going to go to Walmart and get you some Shaq shoes. You're going to get a pair of and ones. (laughs) I'm kidding. He's getting Yeezys, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. How much are Uh, Yeezys? They're the Kanye West shoes. What's the price? Ridiculously overpriced. And it's like 500 bucks. Something like that. Wow. I say wow, but then I'll, I spend a lot of money on dumb stuff. I'm not buying them. He's buying them. If Uh-oh. he wants to blow his money on him, that's his money. Yeah. But I try to talk him out of it. He still wants Yeezys. Whatever, dude. Waste your money if you want. Yep. I've got to buy these action figures. And I'm 35 <laughs> years old. Would you please leave me to Amazon? Copies of the fingerprints uh, were sent to every English-speaking country around the world once again. And once again, no matches. Now, by January 10th, the corpse had started to decompose so badly that it had to be embalmed. So it hasn't been embalmed yet. This is January tenth, so almost two weeks. They haven't they haven't embalmed it yet, but it's getting it's getting so bad and and you know decrepit by this point that it has to be embalmed. And I've got another fun fact for you. Up the same thing happened to Larry King, who passed away last year.
0: They had to embalm him, or
1: yeah, he began to decompose before they got around to fixing him, and he was actually ended up having to be embalmed in nineteen ninety seven. <laughs>
0: I'm not on my game. I'm not seeing these, these ones coming. They're funny. Or maybe you're just really, maybe you're really funny today. Oh. The team begins to search hotels and boarding
1: houses in Adelaide because of the bus and train tickets. Like I said, you know, he had a bus ticket and a train ticket. Remember that? That was in his pockets? Yep. Uh, they assumed that because he had these tickets in his pocket, that meant that he didn't have a vehicle, which meant that he probably wasn't a local Therefore, he probably had a suitcase or a bag somewhere that was waiting to be claimed or picked up by its owner, which makes sense. You think about it, like, yeah. if this guy isn't a local, he's having to stay somewhere, there's probably a suitcase or something somewhere that is waiting.
0: Yeah. And, makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, like a hotel or <clears throat> bus station or somewhere, there would be a, a mis- you know, like an orphaned bag. On January 4th, 1949, huge breakthrough. They
1: uh, During a search of an unclaimed luggage locker at Adelaide Railway, Railway Station, they found a brown suitcase, and that had been stored there on November 30th between 11 a.m. and noon. Now, this is the day that the unnamed man laid down for the last time on the beach. So uh, this is 11 a.m., so eight hours before the first couple see him and he raises that hand, He sits this. He, he puts this brown suitcase in storage there at the Adelaide Railway Station. Now, January 19th, 1949, so five days later, that briefcase and its contents is finally released to Detective Lean, and he's given possession of the suitcase to search. Now, once he searches that suitcase inside, he finds a lot of clothing in the same size as the dead man. So there's not really any any particular interesting things about the clothing that's inside. Uh, They had also all had their tags and everything removed from them, but two pieces of the clothing did have a name on them, which was T Keane. Keane spelled K-E-A-N-E. So T dot Keane. And then a third shirt had a variation of that name, which was Keane spelled K-E-A-N. So it was Keane without the E. However, when they did a search on these names, those names matched no missing persons records of anyone in any English speaking
0: country which is also really weird. Like, like you think about it very time consuming. Yeah. Let's just lean on the fact that I like on my spy theory, like how would you know to pick a name that is that obscure? Yeah. Like it doesn't seem, I mean, today that would be
1: hard to, you know, I actually in this, I thought maybe I'll be able to crack this case. So I got into, uh, Looking, digging deep dives in VA records and everything for a, for Keen, maybe a Timothy or a Tommy or a Tarnell, Keen, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I couldn't find anything. And I, I'm re- and I really thought I was going to crack this case. And
0: I'm kind of disappointed to hear you say that because I thought for sure you were going to, you know, drop a bomb at the end and just be like, "Hey, I drop, I, I cracked it," but okay, and I didn't. And right. I did not. And I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. You still have time. And we will, we probably have at least two or three more episodes of this show before it totally goes tits up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I feel like you're being generous. Uh, Sewing tit. (laughs) Your word that you just said, and I said a sewing tit. (laughs) A sewing kit was also found in the luggage uh, containing orange, what was called barber's wax thread. So Orange barber, Barber's Wax Thread, and this is one of the reasons I knew for certain that it was the, um, the Somerton Man's, because that exact same thread had actually been used to repair the pocket on the coat that the man was wearing. when he was that, probably, that
0: probably solidified their suspicions that it belonged to the guy. It, it did. It did. I just wanted to read your script a little. Sorry.
1: Yeah, but what I like to do is take the words and mix them up so that it sounds natural. Oh, so, so what is written here word for word is this solidified their suspicions that it belonged to the guy. Yeah. So I read forward and then I rearrange it so that it sounds conversational. So now you do that.
0: This solidified their suspicions that it belonged to the guy. Nailed
1: it. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Or if you're from Britain, this solidified their suspicions that it belonged to the guy. Or if you're from Canada. This solidified their suspicions that it
1: belonged to the guy, pal. (laughs) This guy. This guy. So also in this suitcase was uh, they found a brush. They found a screwdriver. Weird. I've never traveled Uh, with a screwdriver. mm, No. They found a modified table knife. And by by modified, I mean it had been shortened down. They find scissors of the exact same type used on merchant ships for stenciling on cargo. Really? Now, this led them to believe that he was possibly a cargo master on a ship, which would have explained why he did not have calloused uh, hands because cargo masters had a pretty easy lifestyle for the 40s, anyway, in terms of labor.
0: I get the feeling this guy's just trying to throw everybody off. That's what I. It gets thicker. The okay. plot will thicken. Mm.
1: The team then compiled, so this team of detectives, they then compiled a list of all. Missing sailors, seamen, and fishermen in English speaking countries. None of those descriptions match the dead dude though. I know it's just dead end after dead end after dead end after dead end.
0: That's just, that's disconcerting. Anytime you're missing seamen, that's a wor- that's a time to worry. Yeah. And then, you know, if we watch There's Something About Mary,
1: you learn it's actually just hanging from your ear. Could be. Could be. Meanwhile, well, so while all this is going on, the papers are still keeping this story alive around town. It's still the talk of the town, it's still the talk of the town uh and this brought a lot more people forward, each one of them claiming that they knew who the dead guy was. uh One claimed that he had been a reclusive woodcutter, another said that he had been employed at a Melbourne gambling den, another said that he was an American merchant Navy officer by the name of Titus Keene that he had met in the nineteen thirties, and that last one sounds a little convincing, but then. Uh, any after any kind of investigation into each of these claims, they always proved to be false. Um, uh, either the person describing the person that was missing would have tattoos or they would uh, track the person down and they would actually find out the person's alive and well or mm. or yada, yada, yada. So they tracked down these these leads and it always ended in a dead end because the person was either dead or not the person. So. OK. All right. April 1949. Professor John Burton Cleland was brought in and he was working in the Department of Pathology at the University of Adelaide. He's contacted by Detective Lean to take a closer look at this man's belongings. And this will pay off a little bit because uh, while Professor Cleland is digging through the pants that the man was wearing when he was found dead, he finds a small little fob pocket in the waistband that had been missed by everybody else that had searched him. At the very bottom of this small, almost hidden pocket was a little rolled-up piece of paper and it had been rolled into like a doobie shape. After unrolling it, it was clear to the professor that this little piece of paper had come from a book. It had been torn from a book, actually, and on it was just two words up. Two words. Harry Potter.
0: I was going to say, it was either Harry Potter or to blaze. Those words were tamam should.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. T-A-M-A-M? Space S-H-U-D. And you're probably thinking, what in the heck? And what in the heck? What What is that? What is that? Is that spy code? Is that from a spy book? Police were wondering the same thing. They had no clue what the fuck that meant, so they contacted a shitload of academics and surrounding universities and colleges. Those academics didn't know what it meant either, but eventually, a knowledge newspaper crime reporter in Adelaide by the name of Frank Kennedy, he recognizes this, this phrase. Tomam should, as the last words in some editions of Edward Fitzgerald's The Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. Oh, it's an obscure title, obscure book. Yeah. So Omar Khayyam was known as the astronomer poet of Persia, and he lived from 1048 to 1141. He was a famous astronomer, mathematician, historian, philosopher, and obviously poet. He was uh, from Persia, which is obviously now Iran, and Edward Fitzgerald had trans- translated some of his poetry from Persian to English and then slapped his own name on it and just called it the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. Now, this book, the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, which is just an English translation of a large, a, a big, you know, amount of of Omar Khayyam's poems, it sold like hotcakes on an the Nihap. He made a lot of money on it. Uh, Edward Fitzgerald did.
0: Fun fact to know and share. There's a adult film called Hotcakes on the Nile. Hotcakes on the Nile? Isn't that what you just said? Hotcakes on the Nile? Sold like hotcakes on the Nile? I said like hotcakes at an IHOP. Oh, I thought you said hotcakes on the Nile, like, you know, like a real good bazaar in Egyptian market. Will you please turn off Tyson? (laughs) Please. I know
1: he's great. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson, too. (laughs) The man has... My attention the second he opens his mouth, especially when he goes in a very condescending way.
0: Okay, you ready? <laughs> you ready? <laughs> it is very it feels very much like when we say, Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Look, you're a right. smart guy. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so so condescending. Oh, okay. It makes more sense. Hotcakes at IHOP. But I do like hotcakes on the Nile. It sounds like a sounds like a real good novel. You want one more fun fact to know and share? No. So, Uh-oh. loosely translated
1: from Persian, tamam should, which is the two words that were found in this little fob pocket in these pants. Tamam should translated means, quote, to finish, unquote. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, or the end. So, kind of fitting. Uh, the yeah. Rubiyat was first published in 1859. And like I said, you know, it was a huge hit all around the world. 650 different editions have been published to date, and it has been translated into every major language in the world. It was the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone of its time. Now, this is very important information. I'm not just spouting out um, useless facts about the Out of Omar Khayyam for no reason. We'll get into why this is important in a minute, how popular this book is important here in a moment. Okay. June thirteenth, nineteen forty nine, the body of the own, the unknown man is still rapidly decomposing, even though they've been embalmed. Now we don't have cooling techniques as 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 good as we do now, um, yeah. and because of this, they 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 bring in a guy to make a plaster cast of the man's face and shoulders so that they can have it forever. They can basically uh, immortalize the the state of the man's face and shoulders. Now the idea. For this was to put the bust of the guy on display in a public museum nearby with hopes that somebody walking
0: through the museum would be like, oh,
1: that's, that's right. Shit.
0: Was the public museum a large plane that would never get off the ground with square wheels? No. Why? I just feel like some guy went in and bled like, hey, before you put that guy in the ground, can I make a plaster cast of his body? And I want to keep it. And I can keep it in my airplane that'll never get off the ground, and I'll love it. I'll feed it eggs.
1: Oh, you're you're that's a big callback. That's Thanks. like you're going deep into the yeah. archives for <laughs> uh, for that one. And that was Carl Tanzler. Yeah, that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the guy that would uh, eat the regurgitated food food from a decomposing corpse.
0: <laughs> yeah, that
1: guy, and chew it up. And um, whatever was in her stomach that she had eaten two years before with the wine and the eggs, and he would just, yeah. And that's episode two for anybody wondering. WTF is op talking about? So, yeah, they bring a guy in. He makes a plaster cast of the man's face. And fun fact, this is actually what they do to to make uh, prosthetics for movies.
0: Special they make effects. plaster Same casts technique. of that guy's face?
1: Uh, no, not this guy. Oh. No, that was quick. I liked that, but no, they would make a plaster. So if Brad Pitt's going to be a gremlin, uh. you know, they'll they'll make a plaster cast of his face, and then they sculpt the prosthetics onto that cast onto onto his face, so that those prosthetics perfectly match Brad Pitt's face. So June fourteenth, so the day after they they make the plaster cast of of our missing fellow here, June fourteenth, nineteen forty nine, he is buried in West Terrace Cemetery, and a headstone. Is kind of crowdfunded before Kickstarter was a thing or anything from the surrounding area. Mm. A headstone is erected that said, Here lies here that said, quote, here lies the unknown man that was found at Somerton Beach December first, nineteen forty eight. Unquote. This is kind of interesting, Up Not long afterwards, flowers started showing up on the grave mysteriously. Police they started staking out the cemetery, but they were never able to catch who was leaving these these flowers some flowers were even planted and to this day nobody knows who was placing them there who was
0: doing it really yes and there's so much i mean this feels almost dial love past level like is it aliens
1: no uh actually i'm going to go ahead and spoil this for you all right uh, winter bees
0: winter bees
1: if you remember uh uh attributed the, the Yuba County Five, as well as the Love's Pass to Winter Bees.
0: Winter Bees.
1: <laughs> Even though, well, it was winter.
0: Yeah. that's that must, that must have been have Try and what? prove me wrong. If I, I think you're right. I think, freak me out. Winter Bees, Winter Scorpions, something like that. Something.
1: So they're also still trying to find this copy of the Ruby out of Omar Khayyam, the book that, this, that, the, that the two words came from, right? Uh-huh. And on Tuesday, July nineteenth, nineteen forty nine, Adelaide detectives go to the public library and they start searching the public library there for the copies of Fitzgerald's translation of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. And uh, there, they do. There are some copies there, but when they flip to the back to see if the back page is missing that those two little words, uh, there's no such luck. All those books were completely intact, untampered with, and they hadn't had uh, that little piece of scrap paper ripped from them with those two words on it. This, this exact same search was going on in libraries all throughout Australia at the exact same time, uh, and, and they, they believed that if if they could find what library that this, that this piece of paper was torn from, the book that was in that library, they believed that they could find the volume, and then they would have found the city or town in which the man was from. So, like, if we can just find this book that this page was ripped out of, And if it's in a library, then logically you can say, well, this is probably the town that the man's from. And then we can focus there on maybe people know him. Mm -hmm. However, the book was never found in any of those libraries. This is, to be fair, kind of like trying to find a needle in a
0: haystack. Or like a book in a library.
1: (laughs) Or a book in a library. Who can ever
0: even do that? That's impossible. Especially
1: in the 40s before they had computer systems where you could just, you
0: know. I don't even think they had the Dewey Decimal System back then yet. Yeah, they did. It was invented in 1876. Yep. And I knew that. I didn't. I had to Google it.
1: Now, they're having no luck with these libraries, and after they, they exhaust all options trying to find this book, uh, the police put a bulletin out asking everybody in surrounding areas to check for any copies of this book, the Rubiot, Fitzgerald's Rubiot of Omar Khayyam, any copies of this book, and to check their own copies for this little piece that's cut out of the back page. Now, there's a lot of copies of this book. This is, like I said, a very popular book at the time. And because of this, July 22nd, a Glen Elk pharmacist remembered something odd that had happened, an odd experience that had happened to him on November 30th, which was, of course, the day that the man had laid down on the beach the day before he was found dead. On that day, November 30th, he had been out running around with his brother-in-law that day. They just you know, doing whatever they were doing, running errands, having fun, whatever. And he had pulled his car into the pharmacy that was close there to Summerton Beach within a very short walk to Summerton Beach. While there, while the car was parked there, uh, him and both him and his brother-in-law got out and they were gone for about an hour or so. But while they were gone, he had left the windows of his car down. Mm. When they both returned and hopped in, uh, the book was laying in the floorboard. And that book was, of course, as you already suspected, uh, The Ruby Yacht of Omar Khayyam. Now, in that moment, each of them had just a thought that it belonged to the other one. So neither of them thought that much about it. Uh, His brother-in-law thought it belonged to him. He thought it belonged to his brother-in-law. Nobody even mentioned it. It's just in the floorboard, whatever. But after he drops his brother-in-law off, uh, he thought, well, he forgot his book. So he reaches down into the floorboard, picks it up and tosses it into his glove box and then goes about his life. He doesn't think anything of it. But after they put this bulletin out, he reads the bulletin and realizes that the book the police are looking for is the Rubiata of Omar Khayyam. He realizes that's the book that I just put up, that I put in my glove box. So apparently that book didn't belong in his brother in law. What had happened was a stranger, maybe the missing, maybe the uh, uh, the mysterious man, had walked by that car on that day and just tossed that book willy nilly into the car with no expl- explanation whatsoever. Upon hearing about Like I said, the news, he does quickly run out to his car, retrieves it from the uh, glove box there, flips to the back page. And obviously uh, we wouldn't be talking about him. Wouldn't be talking about this particular case if it wasn't like this, but Tom should was missing and ripped from the last page. Oh, okay. And, And he does take the book to police and the police immediately take this little scrap of paper that had been found in this fob key pocket in the waistband of the man's pants and it matches perfectly to the
0: uh, tear-out in this copy of the book. So we have the book. We found the book. That is really cool. I've also never seen a car-sized library. That would be pretty neat. That would be – wait, no, I guess that's a bookmobile, huh? That would be that. what that is. That is exactly – you're just describing a bookmobile. Yeah. Huh. Two brothers owning a bookmobile, just living life. That's and they cool. didn't own a bookmobile. Yeah, sure. And you're still thinking about aluminum cones. Yeah, (laughs) how'd you know? (laughs) I'm trying to seem like I'm plugged in, but that cone, come on. we got to get back to that. Now, uh, police, they start searching through this book with a
1: fine tooth aluminum comb. (laughs) But dink, zink. And on the back cover of this book was another odd clue. Maybe. Maybe not. Carefully structured in in pencil block letters... Might have what it was what might have been a code. They still don't know to this day. Many people have claimed they've broken it. None of it is is really held any water. But this is what was on that was on that page. Um, it was five lines, and it seemed it was seemingly a random uh, organization of letters, all in capital. The first line read M R G O A B A B D. The second line was M-L-I-A-O-I. And this was the only line on all of them that was that had a line going through it. So it had been marked out. The third line was M-T B-I-M-P-A-N-E-T-P. The fourth line was M-L-I-A-B-O-A-I-A-Q-C. And the fifth line was I T T M T S. A M S
0: T G A B. Well, I hate to say I've I've cracked it, but oh god, I just copied and pasted uh, like a bunch of those letters into Scrabble Word Finder, and I've got a lot of words that it could be. <laughs> I'm talking. It's a It's just
1: the lyrics to "In the Air of the Knot by Phil Collins, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. Do <laughs> do 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 do. I love that. Did song. it come up with anything? Oh yeah. Yeah, so actually, what the. There's code about 20 word, million
1: people that have claimed that they've cracked it. Ironically enough, they've all come up with something completely
0: different. No, so. I've got it. Here it is. Here it is. You ready? Brrr, drum roll, please. It's, it's Madrigal Mailroom Bomb Load, which obviously is an affair that happens illicitly in a mailroom. And she got pregnant in the 1300s. I'm going to quote Deadbug right now from the
1: most recent nine one one calls that you did with him. And they uh, a quote, I got to be honest, Op, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about right now.
0: <laughs> Unquote. He really, we clicked. He and I, we clicked. We sure did. He's a good guy. It's good egg swears a lot.
1: So we got this code on that, on that page on the, also on the inside of the back cover of the book was a phone number, one phone number. And on July 26th, the police were able to, to trace that phone number to a house on Mosley Street in Somerton Park, which was just a quarter of a mile from where the man was found dead. And in that house lived a young 27-year-old nurse by the name of Jessica Jo Thompson. And she was a baddie. She was a looker. Oh. She was a looker. Real dime piece. And if okay. you look at the dead body of the Somerton man, uh, and you picture him not being dead... Probably a good-looking dude
0: too. I was going to say that too. Vampire teeth and all, he was just an attractive man.
1: Now, when the police interviewed this young lady by the name of Jessica Joe Thompson, she insisted that she did not who the man did not know who the man was. But she also uh, requested that she not be named in the papers or anything. She didn't want to be linked to the case in the least bit. She felt that it would be harmful to her reputation. Now, the police got an inkling that she wasn't telling the truth exactly. Uh. Um, she felt like she was being a little bit lying, maybe a little bit. And she was then taking, taken to the police department and shown the bust that they had made of the dead man's face. And police noticed that when they revealed the bust to her, she looked
0: like she may faint. You know what's interesting? I think I've cracked this again. I just Googled Jessica Joe Thompson. And I went to Google images and there's very few, like I'm talking three rows of images for Jessica, Joe Thompson. One of the images is of Jessica Simpson with her dad, Joe Simpson and Joe Simpson looks like that dead guy. Oh yeah. See just a little bit of Googling. A little
1: background about uh miss Thompson here up uh, when the police interviewed her she had only recently in the past couple months been married but she had a two-year-old son at that time of whom she would never name the father oh you want to get a little bit crazier this son had the same canine dental defect as the somerton man
0: somehow this lady had a two-year-old baby between the time that he died and the police showed up that is, why aren't we No, she's on not that? a
1: fucking alien. No, that's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. When the police showed up, she has a son. She'd always had the son. She had him two years prior. Oh, okay. I was thinking. But she was recently married, and she had married a man with a, probably at that time, year and a half old son. But she never talked about sense. who the father of the child was. Okay. And this child sense. had the
0: same dental defect as the Summerton man. Okay. So yeah, because she would have been in like her eleventh trimester at that point. So yeah, okay. I'm yours yours tracks a little better. Now, Miss Thompson died in two thousand seven,
1: and she took everything that she may or may not have known with her to the afterlife. So she's up there telling it to you know, Larry King. That's really where the story comes to an end in nineteen forty eight, and the little bit of a an update for this story is, uh, what I was teasing at earlier, may 19th, 2021. So just a few months ago, they finally exhumed the Summerton man from his resting place. And guess what? Up? Um, what they, they did it to do DNA testing. And they found Larry King. They did not find Larry King. They found him. He was there. Hmm. That's all I know. We haven't got an update on it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dang it. I was super
0: excited. for So,
1: so okay, so they pulled him out I'm not, of the ground. I'm not being an asshole. I just don't have, we don't have the information yet. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to be like, well, how can you do that? I, <laughs> lady, I can't, guy, I can't create information <laughs> if it's not available. They haven't got the results back from the DNA testing. I wish that I, I had an answer for you. But that's partly what makes this episode, I think, fun, is yeah. we're all in bated breath right now because this mystery is getting ready to come to an end.
0: And, they're, and they're, the and the the kinds of DNA testing they can do now are are extreme, like familial testing, where they yes. can, yes, twenty three and me, you, even after you've been dead for twenty three or more. Huh. So
1: obviously, we're going to touch on the most popular theory uh, about about this man, and the one probably that is the reason it's such a famous case: um, the communist spy theory, right? This is right after this happened right after World War II, we We're right at the start of the Cold War. um, It's fun. And there's a lot to kind of support it. This isn't conspiracy. There's a lot here that that that's
0: could be what was going on here. See, what's interesting to me, though, is. Like a lot of research, a lot of investigation was put into this, right? I mean, they did. There was a lot of rigor that they were applying to this. Think about this. Like if you. If you kicked the bucket tomorrow, you're like driving. It, we'll do, we'll put it on a Monday. You're you're working part time at the local machine shop. You go to the gas station, have some lunch, and you die. And nobody knows anything else about you. They could piece together the last freaking without even contacting your wife. They could probably con. You know, they could piece together your life. Yeah, you're like oh, oh, he has metal under his fingernails from the the the. The uppers on Glocks, which, oh, they're making those at this machine shop right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. they could piece your life together. Like, there are so many weird loose ends with this one. It seems intentional. It seems spy-like. I'm not, I don't know. I don't want to go along with the communist spy theory because it just sounds so old hat. It sounds like too, too tropey. But I do kind of lean towards something spy-like. So... I'm glad that you said that because my next question was going to be, what do you think Op, So you're leaning towards the spa theory. I'm leaning. Yes. there, there just seems to be so much obfuscation that it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a guy, even, even a romantic who showed up in town to, to, you know, touch base with his baby mama. There would be connective tissue, you know, travel records or something, you know, there's so many things that seem like he was intentionally trying to be anonymous. The only other thing that I think, and this is off the subject, but I wanted to make sure it got into the episode is you heard it here first. Okay. Oh, let me preface this with this, Kent. Can I give you a little news update that's happening right now? Yes. That I think we'll still be talking about for a long time. There was a, an explosion just uh reported out of the Ukraine or Ukraine uh at a nuclear power plant there that uh that that created a fire that is now currently ten times larger than the fire at Chernobyl. That's happening right now. Right now. So this happened
1: while this started. This story is breaking yeah like while we were recording. So we're hearing it for the first time and now if you're watching if you're listening to this Um, I'm going to be spending all day tomorrow editing this. And now this is old news by the time you're listening to this. But we're learning. I've just now heard about this.
0: Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I mean, we haven't gotten all that awesome at nuclear power plant explosion containment since Chernobyl. So I'm going to say this is going to be a problem that we'll still be talking about for a long time. They blew up a nuclear power plant. Yep. Sounds like it. There was a, there, there's a fire that broke out at this nuclear power plant that is 10 times larger than what oh, we Oh, so we don't know if, and this happened in Ukraine? Yeah. Well, okay. But if, if we're talking about warfare, digital warfare, this is, this is now something that's been practiced actually quite a bit now is hackers are hacking the actual equipment inside of these power nuclear plants, facilities, nuclear facilities and everything like that. My state is actually the the inventor of Stuxnet, which was the first one that hit Iran. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, back to your story. But just, uh, you heard it here. So now, three years from now, when you're talking to the guy with four arms and he's like, where were you when you learned about the fire at Chernobyl's bigger than Chernobyl power plant? You'll know you were listening to this episode. And this isn't really breaking news for anybody listening. Not nah because it's happening
1: tomorrow <laughs> or the next day. actually it's happening the day before yesterday
0: yes the day before yesterday also we'd like to wish you an early happy easter <laughs> if, we're, if we're throwing around dates that aren't are not today <laughs> so you you're going to go with the communist spy theory yeah i'm going to go with spy theory i i'm i'm jaded on the communist part but uh, spy theory See, my instinct tells me when
1: I do episodes like this, the past, the Yuba County five, I don't want to put my input on it because I don't feel like anybody gives a fuck because what I think happened is no more important than what anybody else thinks happened. But whenever I did the Yuba County five episode and I was like, I don't want to hear what you think about what happened to (laughs) him, I got a lot of backlash. People like, well, I do want to hear Kent. I do want to hear what you, what do you think happened? And I had to answer like 50 messages of, people asking me what I thought. This is what I think happened with the Summerton man. I think this guy knocked this lady up a year prior to her getting, uh, or two years prior to her getting engaged to this dude. I think she either left him or, uh, she, for whatever reason, she was ashamed that she had gotten pregnant by him or had a relationship, or maybe it was just a one night stand. I think they went their separate ways. I think she ended up meeting this guy by this time. You know, the baby is a year, year and a half old. Um, they get engaged, they get married. Uh, around two year, the time the baby's two year, the kid's two years old. Uh, the Summerton man shows back up. He's got flowers, whatever. He's new in the area. Um, she tells him to fuck off, to leave, to beat feet, whatever. (laughs) He says, yeah, I'm going to kill myself. He does. He takes some kind of poison. Um, and he does all this other stuff, all this other weird stuff to make his death, like lasting to like, it says one chance to make a name for himself. And obviously he did. This is, uh, that's why this is all so interesting. I think this is just a case of somebody being an
0: asshole. It's like the last prank before they die. Like if you, that's pretty cool. You think about that? How, what a diabolical plan. You're like, I'm going to come to your town and you're going to, you're going to scorn me. And I'm, so I'm going to make it. So you're going to become a legend right <laughs> under your, your nose town. and they're never going to stop talking about me. You're going to be with me. Wow. That's, that's heavy. And that's he also heavy. left
1: a tie to her right there in the book, like one yeah. string.
0: Oh, that's poetic. I like that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, I'll tell you one more thing. I actually had a friend. And, uh, he was a cyclist. He worked for a local tech company, uh, flew around, was in sales and then come to find out, uh, suddenly he and his wife who did just seemed perfect. They seemed so cool together. Right. All of a sudden they're getting a divorce. It's over. And like, she wouldn't talk about it for years. And then finally she started telling people what was up. He was a spy the whole time. And somehow she found out that, that he wasn't working where he was working and he killed her. He did. He didn't, but she couldn't hang. She couldn't hang. Also. I think there was some infidelity involved there, but, but yeah, she found out he was a spy uh, for, for the U S government. But, but still she, like, it was just too much. It was too heavy. How was that too much? You found
1: out you're with James Bond. That's not the sexiest thing you. We've all life media is a lie because I always grew up thinking that a spy is the sexiest job you can have.
0: Yep, I agree, but I think it was probably the infidelity part. It wasn't James Bond as much as Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda? I don't know. I was trying to try to that one flopped. He brought up that treasonous bitch. Yeah, I agree with you there. Boy, some people. uh, She's going to have a lot to answer for.
1: Yeah, I hope she burns in hell. She will. Uh, My grandpa (laughs) hates Jane Fonda so much. He's a Vietnam veteran,
0: so he has a reason. She literally stood there in the North Korean camps looking through the sights of a gun as it fired on American airplanes in the sky. She's a fucking piece of shit. Her hell is going to be burning eternally while she's wearing those uh, those exercise lycra from the 80s because she had all those exercise videos. Yeah. And it's plastic, and so it's just going to melt to her body, and that's her hell. will be just eternally melting, wearing very flammable exercise gear. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And
1: I might be biased because my grandfather's hatred for her and listen to his tirades about Jane, like over the years has like rubbed off on me a little bit, you know? Um, but I've heard, you know, a lot of people, and I know this episode's over and I'll just say this, like why, why hate Jane Fonda so much? And, uh, it's because, um, while she visited a POW camp during Vietnam and the POWs, the American POWs handed her, uh, messages through the handshakes that she gave them um and it was like coded like hey we're being treated like our location this is these are our you know whatever 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 social security numbers just information to pass to the u.s government Mm -hmm. when she gets to the end of the line have you heard the story oh yeah when she gets to the end of the line she has these messages of these american pow's begging for help she
0: turns around and hands them to a vietnamese soldier Just unbelievable. And you know what's crazy is she's been pressed for an apology. Well, she had been pressed for an apology for years. And I would say she never gave one that that seems like she felt any real remorse for what she did. Yeah, I hope Jane Fonda rots in hell. Yeah. She's amazing. That's just a terrible person right there.
1: Meanwhile, you know, Sean Gunn, the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy, made a joke on Twitter.
0: About the MCU or something, <laughs> yeah,
1: right. You yeah. remember what it was? It wasn't even like it wasn't even. It was just like obviously a joke, and it wasn't even racist or like sexist or anything. You remember? I do remember, but and then like we want to cancel him like forever.
0: Yeah. Kill, him. Kill him! Kill him! Like what's if we're if we're good if we're really good at scrolling through history and finding things to beat up? How do how do we keep skipping Jane Fonda? How do we keep just bouncing right over? I don't her? know.
1: Like what is her? I I know why it's because she also uh, signals all of the stuff that she's supposed to. She walks the line, so Mm. she's protected. Uh, And and I should elaborate on the on the POW Vietnam thing. Um, They were also after she left. She handed those prisoners, those POWs that handed her those, were uh, beaten. Yeah, and and some reports I read, some were killed Mm. for doing
0: that. Um. So it's like that's yeah, bloods on her and hand. Fall. Yeah. And, I, and could you imagine there is there is a whole there is a whole room full of journalists from from that moment forward that have spun that tale to argue for her defense. Yeah. And they will continue to do so. That blows my mind. How could you take something so literal as that? Yeah, there's no like and nobody's have a an reading altern-
1: between the lines here. or anything and here's another thing is um let's say you're against the war Mm. and the vietnam war and everybody was you know i get it yeah that's cool i agree we should have never been in vietnam yeah i agree 80 percent of the people in vietnam were fucking
0: drafted dude yeah they didn't want to be there either yeah it was a very uncomfortable time in our history i think sad sad
1: Anyways, that's the end of this episode of the Summerton man. Uh, I think, I think we're going to call this one dead guy on the beach. I, think that's I like a good that. Title for it.
0: We should also do an update on this. When, when we do hear what's going on, we'll come back with uh, I say, we, I'll come back and I'll, I'll annoy you while you tell us about the update.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're just, like I said, you know, as far as the DNA testing, the exhumation DNA testing, we're just all waiting with bated breath. Um, we don't know yet. We haven't got the results back that takes several months on that stuff um meanwhile i can piss in a cup and they can tell me if i have any thc in my system for the past <laughs> two weeks fucking stupid yeah. anyways yeah we'll, we'll do an update <laughs> when that comes out as always uh don't forget break in the brew and rate and review all that stuff or don't it's whatever i don't fucking care jason vukovich donate to jason vukovich commissary i'll put the links to that in the show
0: notes and then that is it we did it again we did it yes. again did it again victory on the on the pacific all right well i'll uh, i'll call you tomorrow for that update on the dna okay and i won't have it and i won't answer perfect all right i love you all right what 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 was that
1: but